Welcome into another edition of College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. And you can make the argument this week in college golf might have had the most action all around the country and outside of the U.S. So much to talk about, Brentley. We've got Scott Limbaugh, the Vanderbilt men's head golf coach, joining us shortly. They continue their great start to 2022. But I sort of feel like this is the moment now. The road to Greyhawk is on that far left lane. We're hitting the cruise at about 85 and hoping the cops don't catch us. Yeah, the appetizers are over, Burko. We got our main course this week. I mean, I'm at a Bay Hill and I find myself with like six golf stat windows open, not even paying attention to what's going on here. I mean, we got Cabo, Southern Highlands. You were at the Darius Rucker. Uh, it was just like a smorgasbord of, uh, of college golf action. And it's uh, the most wonderful time of the year. Not Christmas, but mid-March, early March. Yeah. Oh, and oh, by the way, Stanford women, they win again. Oh, they Stanford set an women. NCAA scoring record. We'll get to that a little bit later on in this edition of College Golf Talk, which, as always, is brought to you by Velocity Global. Velocity Global seamlessly connects employers and talent anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Its global work platform is built on cloud-based technology, compliance expertise, and unmatched scale in 185 countries and all 50 United States. We all know now. The world of work is forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone, and get the job done as more than a 1,000 businesses engage top talent in another state or another country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration, and they rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global, they accelerate the future of work. If you'd like to learn more, visit velocityglobal.com slash golf let's get right to it scott limbaugh men's head golf coach from vanderbilt they continue to cruise he's back home from cabo scott always a pleasure to catch up and congratulations and it's kind of intriguing you go back to day one there was a moment you were dead last what happened in those last 45 holes or so that allowed you to break through well, Burko, you threw out the uh, the phrase there, continue to cruise. We, I didn't know we'd been doing a whole lot of cruising around here. It, it hadn't felt <laughs> like a cruise control uh, year for us. But, uh, you know, that's, that's called coaching and golf. But you're right, buddy. I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was told we were in last place there with like four or five holes to go in round one as we kind of turned up back around to the front side and, you know, we just had some guys step up at the end of that first round to give us some hope. And um, Gordon Sargent, uh, Cole Sherwood, the way they hung in there and, and finished round ones really uh, carried us. And they carried that momentum in uh, for the rest of the week and then had Reed Davenport come back to form in the final two rounds and, and other guys do great jobs. But what, what an amazing win for us and, and uh, really, a, um, you know, an incredible West Coast trip for our team. A big move on that final day by Cole Sherwood. Big might be an understatement. He shoots 61, 10 under par in that final round. A big reason why you guys won. How would you describe his evolution, not only this past week, but the time he's been in Nashville with you? 
Well, you know, uh, Cole is is a great kid, and and I said this right after the round. I was asked about him, and he may be a little bit unknown in the college golf and amateur world. But Burke, if you look back on what he did for us last year in um, SEC championship with a 65, finished fourth in his first SEC championship, going to regionals, he shoots a 66, uh, second or third round at the nationals last year. I think he shot 65. The boy has played some big time rounds when we had to have it, and uh, he didn't. He didn't hit a shot for us last fall in, 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 in his freshman year. Never pouted, never said, oh, I'm getting done wrong. Oh, coach, I'm not getting treated right. Oh, let my parents call you and tell you that I'm getting done. No, he put his head down. He kept getting better. When John Augustine made the decision to turn pro after the Masters, Gator and I kind of looked at each other like, man, that's our guy. If we can get him, if he can get himself in there and find his way, he can do things with the golf ball that not a lot of people can do. And, uh, and just from that time forward, he just, he's accepted coaching accountability and he, he loves our team and he loves team golf. So it, uh, anytime somebody shoots 61, let's be honest, that that's that's uh, exciting and, and shocking. But that kid, yeah, he, he's got a gear on him, uh, Burko, and, and and it was great to see it. And he certainly kind of put our team on his shoulders and, and said, boys, we're going to get this thing done today. Because other guys, I mean, you got Ludwig Adberg out there birdieing every hole and guys all around making birdies. And Cole's just grabbing that driver and, 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 and hitting it with no fear and, and you know, and getting the job done. Now, Scott, my Vanderbilt insider sent me a video after you guys won of the players chanting Pepe. I, I, can you just explain that, that story and uh, kind of why Pepe was such a, you know, big crucial part of your guys' win this week? <laughs> well, uh, we, we, we stay with our host there, Mark and April Anthony, every year. They're our host family at the event. And uh, Pepe is, uh, is someone that, that, that works at the golf course that we stay at that's really just taking our boys, just, just loves them, you know, and the guys are taking him a hat and taking him a Vanderbilt T-shirt. And he just thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And so I think that night for them to walk in there and kind of – you know, show him the trophy and, and uh, celebrate with him a little bit, I think was, it was a pretty cool moment for the kids. Now it's experiences like that, that you don't often get throughout the course of the regular season. I mean, talk about how special this Cabo event has become the, the work that, that VA and Roger both do for that tournament and, and just kind of some of the fun things that, that go on. I mean, I saw Oklahoma State was on a private yacht yesterday, just kind of cruising, uh, cruising around the Sea of Cortez. So just talk about that event and kind of the fun activities that you guys get to experience when you're there. Well, yeah, you mentioned her, but it, it definitely starts with B.A. She works on that tournament all year long, and, and it's a, it's really in a relationship event. And, you know, you get, as a coach, you, you get the options to do all of these tournaments, but for us, kind of when you start building your spring schedule, it starts and ends around Cabo. Okay, we pencil in Cabo. Now let's build out the rest of our spring schedule. It's that great. And she welcomes our wives and and they do great things. And, and um, you know, and some of the things that we did, you know, we got to play, you know, Chileno Bay and, and El Dorado, uh, you know, on different days. And then just playing beach volleyball and, and pickleball and home run derby. And, and then we, we got to, 
us and um, Mark Anthony and, and Mr. Oliver, another one of the hosts, took us out on a on a on a big boat um, on a, on t- on Tuesday after the tournament. And so for us to get get, get to go out and do some well watching and and uh, just just hang out was was it was incredible. It, it, it's a week you you truly don't want to leave. Who won college volleyball? <laughs> You know what? I will have to say that the, the final day, um, some of the other boys on the team might have something to, to say about it, but myself and Cole Sherwood and my wife, Kate, we, uh, we slid in there on, uh, we played Matthew Riedel, um, Harrison Ott and Jackson Van Paris. And, and, you know, we, my wife and I just decided we'd, we'd, we'd hop on that Cole Sherwood uh, wagon on. We figured there's no way he's losing on Tuesday afternoon and buddy, he didn't. He, uh, we were just kind of setting him a little bit and he was doing the rest of the work see i told you you were cruising scott it doesn't just have to be golf it could be beach volleyball after <laughs> a victory um speaking of cruising you alluded to a, a great start to 2022 really indifferent in the fall how would you describe the turnaround and more importantly how do you keep them going in this direction as now we're what five six weeks away from secs and we know what comes after that yeah, no doubt, Burko. And, you know, as a coach, that's that's really all I'm thinking about. What this rearview mirror stuff happened, I'm happy for our kids. But now all you think about all the time is, oh, let's make sure they get recentered and let's make sure we're focused in the right way and doing the right things. But, you know, our fall was um, was definitely we played a different lineup in, in all four events. Uh, this was our, you know, fifth and sixth event first time we've played the same lineup yet was those because you know it was a two tournament trip we left and we've been gone for 12 nights 13 days and and the guys were, were well you know they understood what was going on and yeah I just think it's um we we returned all five guys you know from an SEC championship and an elite eight team and um and so and then we bring in two really good players and so guys are you know I like to, it's the evolution of a team, the way I look at it. And so you kind of start off on a journey and then you got different guys coming in that are pushing guys in a different way. You matter of fact, Bert, um, uh, Brentley and I had a conversation back in June or July when he called and just kind of asked me about our team. And, and I told him right then, I said, we, we don't have a shortage of talent, it's, but it's going to be interesting with how some of the old guard, you know, how they adjust to, to new talent coming in, raising the bar, who's going to step up as leadership. And, uh, and, we're, and, you know, we're starting to see that right now. And we definitely don't, don't have it figured out. We got a lot of work to do, but we got some guys that are, that are saying, I'm playing. And, um, and, and that's, that's what you need. And you got some other guys that are stepping up and, and kind of leading the way. But I think we thought we were capable of this. I, I know we did. I certainly did as one of the leaders of, of our program. But, um, you know, I think we're, we're starting to see the, the guys kind of doing the right things. Freshmen getting a little bit more comfortable as they adjust to college life and all the things that come along with that. But we got a lot of work to do, and, and we know that. But, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely not disappointed in where we are right now, but, but not satisfied either. Now, Scott, where's the room for – improvement with this team how do you guys get better because I mean I look at your your roster and like you said you guys are super deep seven eight nine deep all American William Mall hasn't even played uh this spring yet for you guys so where do you guys kind of get better uh to where you may enter Greyhawk as one of the teams to beat if not the team to beat well I, I think that, that that's kind of you'd even mention us like that but um 
Yeah, I, 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 what I like to tell our guys, Brentley, it's, it's up to them. You know, you get to choose your actions and because your actions have consequences and outcomes. And if you're not playing, and you need to do something about it. It's not really up to me. It's about what you do uh, every day. And it's about what kind of teammates you are, what your work ethic's like, what your care level's like. I mean, those are the things that are the trademarks of Vanderbilt golf. If you can't be a good teammate, if you can't have the right competitive character, if you can't compete with whatever game you got, then you can't play here. And uh, and now we're, we're not settled in on our five. I think we got some guys that played with a lot of consistency on this West Coast trip and kind of carried our team. And I, and I thought other guys played their roles really well. But we're, we're not a we're not a set five yet. We're not a um, but, you know, we're going to give guy everybody's going to have an opportunity, whether it be some guys going to a tournament next week playing as individuals or our home Mason Rudolph. You know, you don't we're going to have opportunities abound. But here in the next few weeks, we'll certainly start locking in um, on 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 a lineup. But I do think the depth is what makes you better you, if you gravitate toward competitiveness and seeing a new bar raised. I mean, Gordon Sargent's raising the bar around here. I mean, Cole Sherwood's raising the bar. Those boys are pushing each other every day. And, um, and it's kind of like get up on our level or get out of the way. And that's that as a coach, that's, that's, that's what you like to see. I know you're a big college hoops guy. And we talk about kind of tier one, tier two, tier three, as it looks at, the men's game in college golf how many teams would you kind of consider in that tier one range I mean is it three or four is it seven or eight is it 14 or 15 I mean I don't know how much you pay attention to what's going on on the opposite coast or up north or even down south but how many teams are in that that tier one conversation as we enter April well, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't. I don't know that there was a lot of uh, people that thought we were a tier one team when we headed to the West Coast. I mean, when we when we left here, uh, the final coaches poll thought there were eighteen teams in the country that are better than us. And you know, um, we kind of took that personal. Our team took that personal. That that's what you know the coaches think about our team and our program. And that's okay. I mean, that that's that's probably what we had earned up to this point. And um, so when I look at it. You know, I, I really do focus on us and what we got to do all the time. But I, I, I certainly think when I, w the way I view tier one, Brentley, is like, who you going to be surprised that's not in match play at the national championship? And in my mind, there's, there's certainly three to five of those teams that you'd be like, man, I can't believe Oklahoma didn't make it, okay? Or a team like that that's just played with a ton of consistency, has an unbelievable coach, has great players at the top that show up week in and week out. You know, I think there's three to four of those teams in the country. That's tier one to me. Uh, and, and teams that have done it before, Pepperdine, you know, Oklahoma State, um, th those kind of programs that, you know, their coaches, they, they do a great job. Their players are used to the bright lights. And um, and so, you know, that that's the way I view of it. And then after that, you're talking about probably 10 to 12 teams in a, in a next tier that could um, – that could certainly do it. Um, you know, I, I think those are the ways that I kind of think about it. Well, you could certainly make the argument, Scott, after the last couple of weeks, the last couple of tournaments, Vanderbilt could be considered by many a tier one squad, but it's early March. I know you don't care about it. You want to be tier one on June one with the national championship at hand. Congratulations. Always good to catch up. Keep rolling along in the spring. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon, my friend. 
Guys, I appreciate you guys and really thankful for what you do for college golf. Thanks for hanging out with me for a few minutes. Uh, likewise, Scott Limbaugh, Vanderbilt, Scotty Mend, head golf coach. Awfully impressive what they did uh, to kick off 2022. And, and Brentley, when you look at the scores in Cabo, I mean, I'm pulling up golf stat now. Again, I was at the Darius Rucker uh, intercollegiate uh, with the ladies. But like you, you've got windows open everywhere on your computer. Uh, I mean, what a shootout. I, I was looking throughout the course of the day and you're like, oh, they're going to win. They're going to win. They're in trouble. Um, heck of an event <laughs> beyond the scoreboard heck of an event each and every year and uh, uh, kudos to Vandy for getting it done I love that line tier one on June one I mean you pulled that out of your back pocket like like you've been doing this for 40 years <laughs> yeah it's not not bad for uh, driving 338 miles in the dark last night right you got to get those boys to school first thing this morning but um oh. It's good. It's good. You know, I'm looking at the scoreboard. Arizona State dug a hole early, played really well the last two days. Um, you know, it, it's intriguing because I know Scott said that three to five, and I, I loved his perspective on it. I still think this is wide, wide open. Now, Oklahoma is certainly making the case they could be the team to beat. But you can say the same about Vanderbilt. We, we've seen pockets all season long where – Team A, Team B, Team C appears to be the team to beat. Uh, if it start, continues this way, Brentley, I'm telling you, I think there are going to be 10 or 15 teams with the potential to win a Greyhawk, and I don't know if we've ever said that. Yeah, I mean, you have Oklahoma State at 7th, Arizona State, as you said, at T9, Stanford all the way down at 11th. Of course, they won a big event at Colonial in the fall and are supremely talented. But if Cole Sherwood's going to play like he's played the last couple of events and Gordon Sargent can continue uh, and someone like maybe William Mall or uh, Jackson Van Paris can kind of step up and be a more consistent presence in the lineup, I think you're right. Like Vanderbilt is one of the top five to six teams in the country and capable of winning it all. But when you look at some of the other top finishers at this event, Texas Tech, they've had two straight solid events. Arkansas kind of bounces back from their most dis disappointing result of the season. I believe it was down in Puerto Rico and finished fourth. And you have Julian Perico, who's been going through some swing changes. He finishes T12. That's a huge boost for them. Florida State, they were kind of in invisible during the fall. And our boy, Freddie Ketchup, Perko, T5, <laughs> Brett, Brett Roberts, I believe that, that was his first top 10 of the year, Daniel Bradbury. I mean, they're 40 – 41st ranked team in the country, probably a little bit more now, now that the rankings have updated. But I mean, heck, Florida State's a team that you can kind of throw in there as well. So I, I think I tweeted it a couple of days ago and I almost caught myself because I didn't want the OU boys coming after me. But yeah, you're right. Parity has never been better in men's college golf. I feel like a broken record saying that each and every year, but it's really true. And uh, again, you, you could have a team that finished outside the top 10 at Cabo or Vegas, who you wouldn't be surprised to win at all. And I think that's a pretty cool thing to say about the sport. We'll spin it forward. Vegas, Southern Highlands, another first class event, pretty much simultaneously uh, against Cabo. And if the Sooners wanted to continue to make a statement, they did. And I'm telling you, if Patrick Welsh plays like this, they are in that tier one and they might be at the top of tier one, at least at this point of the season. Yeah. He's, he's really gone through some, some pretty bad struggles this last year. 
of course, it started a couple summers ago with the death of his dad, Marty, and um, ends up winning the individual title, the 18th hole sprint at the East Lake Cup. But then I was talking to him actually just about 30 minutes ago, Burko, and uh, was just kind of having him explain to me what, what was kind of going wrong. And it really all kind of points to his performance on the greens. At some point last spring, he just completely lost confidence. He couldn't exactly explain when that happened, a singular moment, but all of a sudden he just had no confidence standing over the ball and kind of leaked into NCAAs where we saw him miss out on making the lineup. And then he gets subbed in for Garrett Reban in the quarters and proceeds to lose eight and six and gets subbed back out. And that was just another hit and going through the summer and not playing well, not making putts had a little bit of a turnaround at Merido, but then turns around and finishes 70th at Colonial. I mean, this is a, a kid that really kind of lost his way for the better part of a year. And to see him turn around this, th these last couple weeks, I mean, shoot 62 in Puerto Rico before that he shot 60 at Jimmy Austin back home, which was the lowest score ever. Coach Hibble was telling me, you know, a lot of great players have played for Oklahoma from Abe answer to, Charlie Saxon, Max McGreevy, Brad Dowkey, all those guys, Wade Cummins. No one had shot 60 at Jimmy Austin until Patrick Walsh did last month. And then he comes out and wins one of the best golf tournaments of the regular season. Um, earns a PGA Tour start two uh, this coming fall at, uh, at the Shriners. And again, like you touched on earlier, Patrick Welch is kind of the X factor for, for this team. And I mean, if he's, he's winning golf tournaments, the Sooners are by far, far and away the number one team in the country and are going to be very tough to beat. Oh, by the way, don't forget Anthony Kim went to Oklahoma, too. You would think he could have gone low. The also, what stands out to me, Welsh wins. Drew Goodman tied for second. Logan McAllister tied for seventh. Chris Goderup, who I believe is one of the four or five best players in the country, tied for 50th, the worst performer wow. for the Sooners. If he plays poorly like that and they still win, Watch out, and he'll. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what he uh, will do at Puerto Rico this week on the PJ Tour. He's got a pop there. Uh, Pepperdine. Do you think he makes the cut? Do you think he makes the cut this week? No, simply for the fact of you go from Vegas, you don't get a practice round. Now, granted, they played the course uh, just a few weeks ago. I, I think that could be a big ass and time, but we'll see. I'm going to say no. My gut reaction was no. You? He's only going to make he, it. He's only got to beat about 20 guys considering some of the guys that are in that field. Whoa. Though, so. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Uh, Pepperdine, if they could have got rid of that second round, they finished second. Uh, pleased to see the Gators really sort of step up. Uh, we wondered how they would go after back-to-back -back wins early. Uh, I think a really solid performance. But the, the team I'm circling, Texas. Nine back, really didn't have a chance to win. Parker Cootie's back. Vic and Hammer stepped up. I was more bearish on their prospects until the Cooties came back. You were a little more bullish. They have to be thrilled in Austin right now with where they stand. Well, yeah, they were essentially playing with three and a half guys because, you know, Parker Cootie, he, he is back, but he's not quite swinging it at the level that he was pre-injury. And then Will Thompson shoots 37 over. Um, I, 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 I know that he's been struggling with some things with his game, so they can't wait to get Pearson Cootie back. But, yeah, I mean, that, that performance out of Mason Nome, getting into that final group alongside Patrick Welch and Fred Biondi from Florida, 
um, bogeyed his last couple holes. But at one point, it looked like he could win the golf tournament. And then Cole Hammer has a great back nine. And I mean, really, if, if Travis Vick doesn't double 17 and Mason doesn't bogey 17 and 18, we're talking about Texas finishing in second place. So I think John Fields has to be thrilled with this performance. And I'm actually heading up to Austin in, in a couple weeks, going to do a double dip w, WGC match play, then head up to UT Golf Club, spend some time with the team, do a little uh, TV feature, a little website feature. So uh, perfect time. You know, they got the NIT coming up and a lot of momentum in Austin. So a good time to be heading up there and kind of seeing what makes them tick. That's what the good ones do. They multitask from the PGA Tour to college golf. Uh, good for you. That's going to be fun uh, in a few weeks' time. From the men to the women, we touched on it. I was on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, for the Darius Rucker Intercollegiate presented by PXG, 10th edition of this women's event. First time on the air, live on Golf Channel. It was monumental. It was historical because it was the first time ever a regular season all-women's college event was on our air, 10 of the top 25 teams in the country. I think I said it last week. I would move there yesterday. I played Long Cove in the 90s. Bob Patton, the director of golf, remembered me, Leon Crimmins, the GM. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, there's something special in my heart about South Carolina and about Hilton Head. Let me tell you, first class. Brentley, we had a dinner, a sort of a welcome reception on Sunday where you think, hey, you're going to have a few people. We all get name tags. There's 300 members there. The support they showed for the tournament. Wow. Darius Rucker has his private concert on Monday. He flies back in yesterday to surprise everyone to hand out the trophies. Can't say enough about Darius, Long Cove, PXG. I hope it's the first of 20 consecutive years on our air because it was an absolute blast. And all that aside, because I think it was – needed to be reiterated, as I said, for three days on our air, Wake Forest. They've lost to three teams in their last five events, four wins and a fourth. And Carolina Shakara, the freshman, two in a row in the spring, younger sister Eugenio at Oklahoma State, Karen Stupples, who was on the call with me, a major champion, watched her warm up and unequivocally said, I don't think I've ever seen an amateur college player, however you want to see it, have a warm-up session like that. It was different. She had a few hiccups starting the back nine, held it all together. If she plays like that, I'm intrigued to see what might happen at Greyhawk with that squad. Yeah, she's, she's got a few extra gears, and I was joking with, with her brother uh, over text message yesterday because he, he's glued to golf stat to TV in this case anytime she plays and is – easily his sister's biggest fan and i'm like she she might be better than you and he's like i i, I mean it's possible like you're probably right so uh she, she's just really good and and please tell me darius rucker played uh hold my hand i mean d during the private concert did he should i be embarrassed to say it was too late for me and i made sure some people uh. on our crew had the opportunity to have some good seats. Uh, I somewhat regret it, but I always Taking lean on the fact. The team. I, I always lean on the fact back in the mid nineties in five points in Columbia at the elbow room. I got to see Darius and Hootie on multiple occasions late on a Friday or Saturday night. They would just go up, grab the mic and start singing. So 
everyone that was there said it was absolutely amazing. Uh, you know me. I'm always prepping. I'm spinning it forward. We had, we had a big one. But I know there was a nice mix of his current songs uh, and, and a few oldies uh, from the Hootie and the Blowfish days. But, um, you know, Wake, big statement. You throw out other surprises or disappointments. South Carolina, dead. you know, 19 over the first day. I don't want to say they're out of it. They were. They played the next 36 and one under to get second. I think that's potential of things to come. We've also talked about it. Arkansas ninth, Duke 10th, no Brooke Matthews for the Razorbacks, no Gina Kim for the Blue Devils. I, I thought maybe we overstated what that could do to those squads. Um, I think we found out point blank. Everyone else better figure it out quickly or with the six regionals now for women moving forward, they get in the wrong spot. Oh. One or both of those teams could struggle to make it the Greyhawk. Yeah, one thing that stood out to me looking at the scores and, I mean, yeah, Don't Arkansas. Say it. Uh, you're looking at it. Uh, I, I, well, Arkansas Duke, that's not really – it's not really surprising to me because I, I think that it's going to take some time, especially for Duke, to kind of get over the, the shock of, of losing their best player. Um, but LSU at, at seventh and specifically Ingrid Lindblad. I mean, T27 sounds like a good finish uh, for people who may, for follow, yeah, <laughs> who, may, who may follow the LPGA, who may follow the PGA Tour. And like, ah, you know, she almost had a top 25. That's a pretty solid week. In college golf, and for a player of her caliber, I mean, I'm going to be blind. That's terrible. Like, she can't finish T27 and expect her, you know, expect the Tigers to make NCAA championship. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like Latana Stone did her part T6 this week, but with the way that three through five uh, for Garrett Runyon's squad is playing, like Ingrid Lindblad's got to be winning golf tournaments, got to be finishing in the top, you know, three to five every single week for them to be considered up there with the Wake Forest, with the South Carolina. And, you know, frankly, I didn't see that this week, but luckily there's a lot of golf left. Yeah, great women's event in South Carolina. Congratulations to Wake. On the other coast, Stanford, at the Gunrock Invitational, you talk about hitting refresh over and over and over again. They're back in the winner's circle. Not a surprise. Rachel Heck shoots 18 under. Rose Zhang, I believe, was 14 under. They shoot 50 under as a team. NCAA 54-hole scoring record. You, we were selfish. I wanted them to run the table going to Greyhawk. That loss to San Jose State a few weeks ago is the best thing that's ever going to happen to Stanford, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I think it's maybe a little bit overstated on, on our part, talking with, with Ann Walker a couple of days ago. And I don't know how much of this is coach speak, but she talked about how like there really wasn't, you know, kind of this feeling that they needed to like reprove themselves after that. Like they didn't really view that as a loss, even though they, they did get clipped and, and, and saw their perfect season end. They, they looked at it more of, yeah, we came out a little rusty. Uh, we may not have prepared as well as probably, probably we would have liked. And, you know, it's just like, you know, get back on the horse and you know, figure it out and kind of do what we do. And they ended up doing that shooting 50 under. I mean, NCAA record by four shots. LSU was the previous record, record holder at 46 under last April. And I'll tell you what, Burko, Rachel Heck and Rose Zhang looked at looked like a NASCAR race at like Talladega or, or Daytona before they kind of changed the cars up. When like one or two cars would break away, 
and would be like four or five seconds ahead of the rest of the pack. I mean, these are two of arguably the best amateur golfers on the planet. And Rachel, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it was really anything that was wrong with her game or her swing. I think it was just, she was tired. I mean, last year was a super busy year for her. When you talk about getting adjusted to her first semester on campus in college last spring, winning six times in CAA title, all the attention, all the media that she had to do going right into the summer and the Curtis cup and NIL. And she was just exhausted. Um, and that's why she didn't play as well in the fall for Stanford um, as we're used to seeing, but she's come out and has really kind of proven, you know, as someone drilled uh, a door in the media center here at, at Bay Hill. So I apologize for the audio <laughs> quality, but uh, yeah, I mean, she, she's kind of saying, Hey, don't forget about me. I know Rose is good, but I'm still, uh, you know, I'm kind of like one B here. Uh, so I, it, it was good to see. And yeah, to me, I, I, I think you're right. It's the best thing that loss um, against or to San Diego or San Jose state in San Diego was the best thing that happened. And I honestly think Stanford's a better team right now. Um, than I than I thought they were last fall. So that just shows that they're getting better and they're they're going to be very tough to beat. Yeah, and Walker can tell anyone that might want to listen. No, oh, we didn't talk about it. Like they came <laughs> out, they made a statement. I've known Ann for years. I'm not buying it. And even if it wasn't discussed, even better that the lady said, you know what, let's just go do it and not look back. Uh, congrats, Stanford NCA scoring record. Real quickly before we go, another women's program that in the fall three months ago we thought might be the best competition for the Cardinals, Oklahoma State. But as we've all learned, their top two players now entering the transfer portal and after a perfect fall, um, things are amiss in Stillwater. Yeah, it, it kind of seemed like this had all been kind of building up. I actually just spoke with with Isabella Fierro this morning, who was the second player to enter the transfer portal in leave Stillwater. Of course, Kayla McGinty, the second ranked player in the country, did so uh, a few weeks ago. And she was basically just explaining on, you know, for the past six months, she she hadn't really been as happy as she probably could be. Like, that's not to say that she was miserable. Um, she still had plenty of great things to say about her coaches, um, about Greg Robertson, about her teammates. But she just needed to change. And she went in a, a couple of weeks ago, talked to Greg shortly after Kaylee had left and you know, said, you know, I'm, I'm looking at kind of a change of scenery. You know, it's, it, it's, I'm not having that much fun. Like it's, it almost seems like a job. Um, there's a lot of pressure, you know, playing for this program. And, you know, as you know, Oklahoma state, they kind of treat things like a business because they're, you know, hashtag golf school and, um, you know, and so just kind of gleaning from what, what Isabella was, was expressing to me that she just needed a change. And of course, Greg has the policy to where like, you're either all in or you're not in at all. And he had the same, he treated Maya Stark the same way last fall when she was thinking about going to, to Q school on the LPGA and she ended up leaving school and, and not playing for them in the fall. And he's been consistent. So, I mean, I, I give him that, you know, he said that you're going to enter the transfer portal. Like you might as well just, just leave now. And so um, I think Isabella was kind of hoping that she could stay and finish out this spring. But again, I kind of see where Greg's coming from. Like if, if you're not committed to this program six or eight months for now, like you really can't be committed 
for the next one or two months. Like, it's just like, you're already one foot out the door. Um, you know, it's not a let the, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out scenario, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of like, Hey, like the people who really want to be here, um, those are the people that are going to get the opportunity to play right now. Yeah. That's a tough spot for Greg Robertson. I commend him to the point of you're either in or you're out and there's nowhere in between. Boy, you could go down a rabbit hole, at least in my mind right now, of I'm not happy. I want to change the scenery. Um, bigger picture, life isn't fair. You make your yeah. own happiness. So, uh, But there's two sides to every story. And, you know, we hope uh, Isabella and Kaylee, you know, land on their feet wherever they go. But from a college golf standpoint, yes, there's depth in Stillwater. Um, my estimation, you're really hard-pressed moving forward when you lose your top two. Yeah, we're going to see them at the Gator this weekend. Um, I guess it's a pretty solid field, so we'll be able to kind of decipher what they still have. Um, and I don't know about you, and actually, I, I do know about you, Berker. I, I know that you don't like the transfer portal. I, I liked it at first. I, I'm not so sure, sure about that now. It's made things easier, and yeah, players could leave. But um, to me, and we're seeing it become a huge problem in some of the bigger sports like football and basketball, it just, there, there's just no opportunity um, for players to be forced to kind of have to, you know, tough it out. Like, like, like work through it, like express your feelings and try to try to work through it. And, and maybe, maybe they have, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what's been going on there, but it just seems like it's too easy and it should be a little bit harder, um, you know, because once you make this decision, like it's, it's, it's permanent, like you can't kind of go back on it. Um, so I, I, I just would like to see players maybe stick things out a little bit, you know, try switch some things up, try to, as you said, make your own happiness and figure it out. But, um, but yeah, I, I just, I just don't, I don't like the transfer portal. Like you're, you're seeing the, the best players on the smaller schools, D2 programs, uh, mid majors lose their best players. I mean, a team like, like Mercer, they, they, they got a pretty good, uh, good number one player who's being basically hounded by some of these top programs like hey you want to come play with you know for us and I just don't think that's good for college golf yeah as a coach told me a couple of years ago with COVID and the portal becoming bigger he said it's the wild wild west and it's going to have a long-term detrimental effect on college golf again not particular with the Oklahoma State situation broader picture don't love it fulfill your obligation and yes there are scenarios where changes are needed. But from what you yeah. just tell, told me speaking with, with Isabella, well, I wanted to enter the portal, but I wanted to spend the rest of the spring. Life doesn't work that way. So, you know what? Yeah. Greg was right. We're happy to support you. We'll try to help you, but you're done. I'm going to leave it at that before I dig myself a, a, a <laughs> rabbit hole. Uh, we were jam-packed today. Again, thanks to Scott Limbaugh, Vanderbilt, men, heads golf, uh, head men's golf coach. Great victory in Cabo. Great start to 2022 for them. Uh, busy, busy week. So we tried to touch on everything we possibly could. We'll do it again next week on College Golf Talk. And until then, take care.